RadioInfluence.com. Welcome into a new episode of the MA Report Podcast with Dale Galvan. I am Jason Floyd. It is Wednesday evening, August the 24th. 2022 it's the midweek edition of the show of course uh, myself and daniel are here to talk about everything going on in the world of mma no ufc this week but so a lot of this episode will be about what happened there at ufc 278 and uh, of course we'll briefly touch on one championship as they make their debut on amazon prime on friday night it's a fight card that I will not be able to watch live as I'll be uh, I'll be in a, in a uh, airline at that point, so I won't be able to. And so I'm probably sure the uh, the Wi-Fi on the plane probably will not uh, be uh, standard enough to uh, stream some live sports. But I'll catch it after the fact there. But uh, Daniel, boy, UFC 278, man, you you talk about there is these iconic moments as sports fans that. We always remember. I mean, like you think about whoever your favorite team is. We remember kind of, you know, a championship, how they won a championship, things along those lines. And when I think of like iconic moments for me being in this sport and just being a combat sports fan, like if I go way back in the day, combat sports, it's got to be Buster Douglas knocking out Mike Tyson. I remember, you know, being in my living room, watching that with my father and, you know, and we were all shocked by that. Like, and, and when I think of MMA, May, like to me, some of the the shocking results, like going back back in the day, was when Rampage Jackson knocked out Chuck Liddell. I remember the establishment that I was in. You could have heard a pin drop when when uh, Chuck Liddell you know dropped Chuck Liddell there. You know the other ones I think of are Chris Weidman knocking out Anderson Silva, Holly Holm knocking out Ronda Rousey, and. Daniel, this one sits right up there with all those. I mean, obviously, Leon gets off to a great start in the opening round. But, you know, two, three, and four was all Kamar Usman. And then, boy, he lands that kick. And for people who have not seen it, this video is all over Instagram at this point. It's a BT Sport video where Leon Edwards' coaches are talking about this technique during fight week of how, what they need to do to potentially catch tomorrow. Usman, like to me, it, it, it's one of these nights that I'm not going to forget for a long time. One of the most special parts of this knockout is the fact that it happened in the last minute. And it was just a reminder of why we love this sport for so many different reasons. It's the ultimate underdog. And it's a story that, really works with the whole idea maybe of all the adversity we as human beings have faced since the pandemic started. Because I feel like if there is one guy in the UFC that suffered the most in terms of career trajectory, it's Leon Edwards. He faced so much adversity whenever the pandemic started. His fight was supposed to take place and no longer. And it's been a such a long road for him to even get the championship shot that he earned over two years ago. And within this fight, he gets us excited round one because he gets that crazy uh, takedown that I think he got not because of his wrestling skill, but because it was a bold move caught in. He caught Kamaru off guard. But rounds two, three, and four, dude, Leon had nothing, dude. I mean, this was Kamaru's fight to win. And it was just the ultimate out of nowhere head kick knockout it's uh it's one of the all-time great knockouts man in terms of fights i've seen 
uh, the ones you mentioned are, are right there. I didn't see Liddell Rampage live, but I would put it also on par with uh, Anderson Silva tapping out Chael Sonnen with the triangle choke. I thought that was a crazy moment. I felt like there were a couple of Brock Lesnar fights that also made me feel that way. Maybe when he won the championship as well as maybe when he lost it. And then also uh, Conor McGregor knocking out Jose Aldo is a big one. Juliana Pena uh, beating Amanda Nunez also is worth mentioning, although it didn't have the suddenness of this one. I feel like the two fights that I didn't see live that probably felt the same, but I just don't know. The stakes weren't as high, but Mirko Krokop getting head kick knocked out by Gabe Gonzaga, and the stakes were just as high. Matt Sarah's knockout over George St. Pierre. That one to me will forever be like the textbook example of the great upset that no one saw coming. You know, look, I'm a big thing of uh, kind of my, my core group of friends. We have this thing of we got to give people flowers while they're with us. You know, a, a lot of times we give flowers to people after they've moved on. But, uh, you know, I got to give my flowers to my co-host Daniel Galvan, who said this last week on the podcast. Dylan Edwards has got to be so locked in on this fight. Think about the journey it took for him to get here. Yeah. And we've all known he's deserving of a number one contender fight for two plus years since the damn pandemic started is when it was clear Leon Edwards deserved a title opportunity. I think Leon Edwards' tactical stand-up and the weapons he have is unlike anything else in this division, and he will outpoint Camaro on the feet. So that's why I like Leon Edwards. Well, I guess I should clip this audio in case it does happen. <laughs> <laughs> Be like, Daniel called it. He said it. And, and you did, man. I, I got I to gotta give you your flowers. I mean, look, I, I tweeted about this on Sunday. After, you know, rounds two, three, and four, your prediction wasn't looking so good. Yeah, you, we should have edited it to where I called a fifth round head kick knockout. Then, <laughs> you know, we could have got in the studio and added to that. But, uh, yeah, man, at the end of the day, it, it was a prediction I made. But I'm being honest with you, if these two guys fight for a third time, I'm not going to pick Leon to win. <laughs> I'm going to pick Usman to beat him, you know? Although I don't know if Usman's going to be able to do that, dude, because, dude, like, can you imagine the mental psychology of Kamaru Usman when he woke up from that head kick knockout? He is forever a different fighter, especially stepping in the cage of Leon Edwards. He's always going to have respect for his feet, for his kicks, for his strikes. He's going to fight differently, and it's going to be a different fight whenever they fight anywhere that's not at elevation because it was clear at UFC 278 from, you know, Jose Aldo uh, being tired to Luke Rockhold looking like me in fifth grade whenever I ran the 400-meter dash for the first time three minutes into his five Apollo Costa. The elevation of Utah, of Salt Lake City, played a role in every single fight. This is going to be a completely different fight if it takes place in England, which looks like the case. But, you know, uh, again, kind of, you know, just circling back, uh, let, let, let's, you know, give people their flowers. John Anik, phenomenal job on commentary on the call. And I tell you what, I thought the color guys also did a hell of a job. You know, DC, to me, did a good job of of, of, of explaining what, Leon's corner was explaining the frustration of his performance because it was frustrating. And to me, one of the most, you know, perfect pairings is the head kick knockout to go along with that round four corner audio from Leon's corner. 
I mean, that to me is just one of the most iconic memories I have had from mixed martial arts in my entire freaking life, and I'll never forget it. You know, the one thing about that corner audio, and, you know, we, we all, I think the, the part that we hear the most is one of his coaches, I think, you know, just kind of paraphrasing what he said was, stop feeling bad for yourself and go out there and fight, Leon. But if you, I went, I, so obviously I, I watched this fight from a, a hotel bar on my phone. So I'm not hearing the audio of it. I, when I came back to Tampa on Sunday, I went back and watched it. The thing that stuck out to me about that audio from the corner after the fourth round is if you go back and you watch it, the first coach is giving him technical advice. He's telling him what he needs to do from a technical side, but then you got the other coach who's coming in saying, look, I, I got a technical advice. Isn't doing anything for my fire right now. I, and, and that to me, what was stood out about Leon Edwards and the fact of that this ending sequence was something they saw on film leading up to this fight of saying he's going to duck his head and BT sport even has footage of him practicing this technique where they're practicing a technique of him throwing the strike and go and bring the kick to the body. And then you see him go, all right, Leon, let's now bring the kick to the head. And of course we all know what happens there. And, you know, watching the fight back on Sunday, I thought the UFC production team did a fabulous job of just telling the story after the fight was over and you see that moment of of leon backstage and, and he's facetiming his mother and you just see that raw emotion it's just i you know kudos to the ufc team on that by the way i got i got a question for you yes is joe rogan just trolling us this on, on the uh the tie at this point like he's not even tying it at this point it's like hanging loose like he's just been on a five-hour bender at a hotel bar yeah, dude, that's the Joe Rogan aesthetic, my man. He lives life by his own rules, and uh, yeah, he's a. Uh, at least he's got a tie on. All right, at least he's got a tie on, Jason. I mean, yeah, he reminds me of uh, myself coming home from a, a homecoming dance, and just got the tie off and ready to get out from under there. But man, I, uh, I I love this story so much, and I feel for Kamaru. I mean, that picture you sent me that was taken. By God, I don't know who it was, but I remember I believe they were working for the UFC because when I saw the picture, it was credited to Zufa. Wait, I feel like I saw credit Zufa on the MA hour. That's definitely not what it was. But no, uh, no, I mean, pretty much all the photographers that are there are either, um, you know, they're associated press or they were actually work for Zufa. It's, it's probably a Zufa cameraman. Wait, Zufa, but Zufa doesn't own the UFC anymore. That's the thing. That's the thing. No, no, no. Zufa, Zufa LLC is still the, the parent company. Of of Wait. the UFC, so you have you w, you have WME, who's the I don't understand this at all. <laughs> it's you know it, they own multiple companies, so each company is going to have its own name. So the UFC parent company name is Zufa LLC. Oh, okay, that kind of makes sense. I, I'm I'm I I guess that that makes it. Dude, up until this moment, I always thought that it just was. Yeah, I always so, thought so anytime that the UFC you... was owned by Zufa and it was sold to WME. But now I understand exactly what you're saying. That's insane so that I didn't to, realize that. To give you a kind of, I guess, a a more in depth view on this. So 
when you see photos that maybe it's on an, an MMA junkie or MMA fighting, what they're doing is they're paying for a Getty subscription. And basically the UFC works with Getty in terms of giving, getting Getty all the photos from the cage side. Uh, yeah, I, I do know this was a Zufa picture because I remember saying Zufa and I just had that second uh, uh, self-doubt because I just was like, wait, they didn't. Yeah. But anyways, uh, regardless, I feel bad for Kamaru. Uh, but I got to say, it, I also feel bad for him because it feels like in one fight as champion, Leon may have already become a bigger star than poor Usman. Like I, I feel for him, but at least for Usman is likely that we'll get the trilogy fight barring well, I don't know. It's also okay. really likely Chimaev jumps him, right? Like, that's a real possibility. Yeah, I mean, you know, Dana White talked about it after the fight. And he also talked about it last night following the Contender Series. Uh, you know, because uh, basically everyone's already starting to ask. I, I, I forget who the reporter was. I forget whether it was, it was last night or after Saturday night. That was basically like, you know, hey, Dana, you usually go to London in March. Would that kind of be the plan? And Dana's like, well, we can go to England anytime we want. We don't have to go in March. But, you know, he did note last night, he's like, look, we're, we're booked through January. So you got to imagine maybe the February pay-per-view, March pay-per-view, somewhere in there. But, like, I mean, like, look, you know, obviously it's going to come down to a timeline. You know, obviously, you know, Usman's got to rest up. Now, Dana White uh, did give a little update for about Kamar Usman last night to following uh, the Contender Series. We talked. He's in great spirits. And, you know, uh, obviously he wants to rematch bad. Um, and, uh, you know, but he, he said, I can't tell you the weight that's been lifted off me. You know, there's a lot of pressure that goes along with the run that he was on and breaking, tying and breaking Anderson's record and, you know, all that stuff. There's a, there's a lot of pressure. So um, he's looking forward to the rematch. And I saw Le uh, Leon today, too. You know, that, that kid's walking on water and couldn't be, you know, higher than he is right now. And we're going to see what the timeline ultimately ends up being with this. But like, look, if Hamza Shamayev goes out there and destroys Nate Diaz and the UFC says, you know what? Middle of February, we're going to somewhere in England. Leon Edwards defend their title. Let's not be shocked. Let's not be shocked if Kamaru Usman says I'm not ready and Hamza Shamayev is getting the next title shot. Because like if Shamayev beats Nate Diaz, do you think he has another fight before fighting for the title? No. So then if if Usman doesn't – excuse me. If Usman gets the next championship and you're right, then that means Chimaev doesn't challenge for the title until like next August. Well, so I mean, look. That's not going to happen. If Edwards Usman, say, happens February, March, I, I do think you see, you know, Hamzat have a fight. Maybe it's against Colby Covington. Uh, Dana White said there are some plans with Colby Covington. He didn't really go into into length in terms of what that what may be. But, uh, you know, I mean, obviously, I mean, Hamza, we all know he's on the fast track. We all know that's going to happen. But look, the, the right thing to happen here is trilogy matchup, Leon Edwards against Kamar Usman. That fight is somewhere in England, you know. I'm, you know, Dana White mentioned last night, he said, he goes, we are looking at all options over there. And I'm sure they're probably figuring out is, you know, and, and he mentioned, he goes, Hey, I'm scared to death doing outside show in, in London. He goes, I'm scared to death to go to Wembley, but maybe there is a bigger arena that he can go to because uh, that's going to be, you know, a potentially special why is, moment. Why is, he scared, why is he scared to death of going out there? Because of the outdoor nature of it, Rain. Because of how big it is. Rain. Yeah. Well, why can't he just have a damn roof for the octagon? 
I'm guessing you're probably worried about sideways rain. Oh, that's a good call. Yeah, that's a good call. Damn. I, I remember. Yeah. I remember the last uh, last time the Bucks played in London. Uh, we stayed yeah. right next uh, to the O2, and uh, literally we were we were walking somewhere, and it was just sideways rain, sideways rain. Well, you just gotta make a really big freaking roof, Jason. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess. Uh, well, I, I, I think guess that's I, probably I, the. I think the reality is you're you're just going to find the biggest arena you can go to, and, and maybe that's O2, or maybe it's somewhere else. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, do the uh, do the Leon Usman fight, do Patty Pimblet, Molly McCann, uh, Darren Till versus Paulo Costa, and uh, you got yourself a main card. I don't know if Tom Ospinall's ready to get back in time for the pay per view. But uh, there's plenty of English stars. Jack Shore's chilling there. You know, there there's so many guys. Yeah. They're they're ready to blow the get Michael Bisping to come out of retirement. You know, and now we're talking Michael Bisping, Luke Rock, Cold rematch. Let's run it back. The biggest thing that I did take for what Dana White said is that they would not do it at you know U.S. primetime time. They would do it primetime in the U.K., which I thought was pretty interesting there. By the way, speaking of that co-man for Luke Rockle, Paul Costa, you know our WTF story of the week comes out of that fight, right? I got, okay, if that's the case, I have another WTF story, but give me the give me yours. I apologize to him up on stage. That'll never happen again to any fighter. Is that something that you guys can control, or is that you saw the thing? What, who, how does that happen? Because it seems quite dangerous for a guy. Yeah, it's just, you, you, listen. Again, how to explain? They they don't know about fighting, the way that people who know about fighting know about fighting. You don't go in and test a guy at six in the morning when he's cutting weight, and and it's just the result's going to be the same a few hours later. You wait, and uh, yeah, I apologized to him uh, on stage when when he came out, and that won't happen to another fighter again. Yeah, the WTF moment for me, Daniel, goes out to Usada. Why are you going to a fighter? A couple hours before weigh-ins because while he's going through his weight cut to drug test him. Like, I mean, like, look, we can have a lot. There could be a bigger discussion on this of this is the type of stuff happens when the drug testing policy is not collectively bargained. But, like, it makes me wonder how many other times this has happened. Also, hey, Paul Costa, dude, if you show up to the weigh-ins with a bottle that says secret juice, what do you expect is going to happen? Yeah, well, you know that is. <laughs> he definitely didn't set himself up not to be, uh, not to be tested. I mean, the way he looks, people will always have suspicions, and whatnot. Uh, this is not even just like being a fight game person. This is just common sense. I mean, there should be some common sense times when Usada does not test a fighter. There is plenty of opportunity to do so where the fighters can't hide taking drugs, taking performance enhancing drugs. This this was a insane situation and it shouldn't happen again. It just uh you, you don't mess with fighters when it comes to weight cutting like this and it was a, definitely a WTF. I mean to me the other WTF moment dude was the uh was the damn Mr. Saldana on the prelims when he had Sean Woodson finished and he didn't go for it and his corner ripped into him. That was my other WTF moment. But I mean you also could have just said Again, what the F is happening when you watch that Rock Code Costa fight? Because that's what I said about 40 different times 
that was the most absurd co-main event I've ever seen in my life, and I enjoyed every single second of it, man. It brought me the same enjoyment I had when I ate the flaming Hot Dorito chicken wings at Buffalo Wild Wings, man. I felt like a mess after, but I enjoyed it while it was happening. So I started watching this fight live after the end of the second round, so I missed the uppercut to Luke's junk. So I went back and watched this fight over again, and I'm like, I'm like, look, I knew it was gonna happen. Okay, since I knew it happened, I'm like, okay, how's this happening? Did I see it happen? And I think I probably had the reaction that every guy had. We all had that. Oh man! And oh yeah, did. there are so many. Then, bro. You only, uh, by the way, apparently we say bro too much on this podcast. So I appreciate that one of our listeners. I appreciate you tuning in, but apparently we say bro a little too much. But then I'm like, Luke, you had five minutes. You clearly needed because you were gasping beyond believing before this. Like, and he only takes 90 seconds of the five minutes. Yeah, that was, uh, I've never seen a fighter this gassed in a very long time. The last, excuse me, the last time. I've seen a fighter this gassed. It was when Shane Carwin was like lactating or whatever, right? Like, like he was talking about who he was lactating. I'm like, I thought that was just for heifers, but no, Shane Carwin. Uh, I remember he was lactating and he just completely froze up. And then before that, then you're talking about like the first, you know, five years of the UFC is when you would have guys that were just hands on their knees. But look, I I, uh, I will excuse Luke Rockhold in that the Utah environment clearly played a role. One of the most iconic moments is when he's just like, I'm old. Um, I got to say, not a big fan of him bleeding and just kind of like rubbing his head on top of Paulo Costa. But I thought this was a fight that upgraded the stock of both men. Obviously, Luke Rockhold retires. It was a beautiful moment to see DC get off the commentary booth and run after and give him a little hug. Uh, but Paulo Costa, you know, I watched this fight and I didn't think, oh, this is a guy who's going to get back and he's going to challenge the championship. But you know what? I enjoyed watching him fight. It was a fun fight. And I look forward to the next time Paulo takes a, uh, takes on a fight. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 just it was a weird moment to see after the first round. Just Luke just I mean, it, it, and maybe that's simply the equation of just not going out to Utah early, you know, getting out there to like Leon Edwards. I think once they got there two and a half weeks uh, before this fight to try to acclimate his body. But so uh, also with this fight card, if I would have told you Marab Davishvili was going to go 0 for 16 in takedown attempts and still win. You would have said, Jason, you're crazy. I know, man. I know. I don't get people saying that Aldo looked old here. Aldo defended every freaking takedown for Murab, all right? He 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 looked tired in, in the latter part of the fights where his output was non-existent. But, dude, to not get taken down by the tenacious Murab like that is almost like a badge of cur- – like a badge of honor. Like – Alto's takedown defense continues to just be one of the best in the promotion's history. His biggest problem was the inability to get off of the damn cage. I just think, to me, I mean, I saw people thinking that they scored a fight for Aldo. I, you know, going back and watching the fight, I scored for Marab. 
the reason I scored for Marab is, and I had it 29-28 for him with Aldo taking the first round, it is the fact of, because, I mean, I, Aldo, to me, had the most significant uh, strike landed in, in that opening round when, when he rocked Marab. But to me, it was about the inactivity of Jose Aldo with his offense in, in the second and third rounds. I mean, you're, you're talking about, you know, he landed only 13 strikes in the third round, only landed 25 in the second round. In comparison, in the second and third round, Marab landed 62 strikes in the second round and 52 strikes in the third round. That's why I thought it was a Marab fight. But I mean, look, it wasn't. It wasn't a fan pleasing fight. Even you know Dan talked about it. It's like, hey man, it just it wasn't a fun fight. Uh, but uh, you know, and, and obviously, obviously the UFC seems to be a little uh, irked by the fact that Marab just won't come out and say, yeah, I'll fight my training partner, my best friend, the guy I live with. Yeah, I'll fight him. Yeah, it, it seems like uh, the thing is he's not going to get a title shot anyway. I mean, it's going to go to the it's going to go to the winner of O'Malley on. And he might have to worry about fighting the champion, being his training partner by the time he gets his opportunity. I don't know what's next for him. Maybe a fight against Cheeto Vera, but honestly, I wouldn't make that fight because I don't want to do that to Cheeto, right? Like, I want to protect Cheeto at all costs. He's an incredibly exciting fighter. And Marab, to me, is one of those guys I would just avoid at all costs if I'm a, if I'm the manager of a fighter. I would make Cheeto the backup plan for if, if TJ Dillashaw doesn't make it a 280. Yeah, I I uh I agree with you. I think that's a that's a hell of a. I mean, I I, I think you're 100 percent right because who else would be a backup plan? I can't even think of one because Marab obviously would. I mean, maybe Marab would be a backup plan if Aljo can't make it. <laughs> you know, he'll probably be there in in, in Sterling's corner or bro, in his bro. entourage. No, no, no. You know what the UFC would do? With Cejudo, if Sterling. Was unable to compete. Oh, 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 yeah, they'd make an interim title fight. Oh, yeah, right? <laughs> Call me crazy. Would they just say, screw it, interim title fight, Jan versus O'Malley? <laughs> it's on, Dude, it's I, on the car already. Uh, you know that's something you UFC would do. You know that's something yeah. UFC would do. Yeah. I was going to say that, or they're just trying to put an interim championship on Marab. And that's going to force them to fight. He's like, well, I got an interim title. But, yeah, I think you're totally right. The uh, the only other thing I would like to mention about this card is this one, bro. Um, I strongly believe round one in Marcin Tibera versus Alexander Romanov was a 10-8 round for Romanov. Mm-hmm. I felt like Romanov nearly had Tibera finished yeah. several points during this round, and he was completely dominant. And I think when you look at the judging criteria, I know it mentions – uh, I believe 5% of rounds should be 10-8. Uh, I felt like this was a 10-8 round, and I thought this fight should have been a draw. Romanov did get gas, and Tibera showed his veteran uh, skills, but I really felt like that round one and Romanov Tibera should have been a 10-8. Here, here's another WTF for you. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on Wikipedia, which I know is your kind of go-to uh, method here. Yeah, get out of there. That's my place. Get out of there. That's my, that's my swamp. So I'm looking at the bonus awards. Yeah. What the F? How does Leon Edwards not get one of the crypto bonuses? Come on, fans. Dude, I guarantee you, I don't know how the crypto bonuses work. How does it? Did, it's a dude, fan vote. People it's, it's a fan vote. Doesn't, doesn't it happen as the fight's going on? Correct, yes. So that's that's what happened. I mean, people are probably already putting in their votes for Kamara Usman, 
When, when, when does the uh, when does the when does the fan vote lock up close up? Does it close up like a little bit after the pay per view, right when it ends or whatever? I have no. Do idea. You know, I have no idea. I feel like that might be the reason why Leon didn't get rewarded because everyone had put their votes in. There's a minute left in the main event. Everyone watching it live was uh, just thinking about what's next for Usman. I, I guarantee that's what happened. But you're totally right. That's a WTA. By the way. Uh... You know, Marab had thrown out there that Aldo told him that he was going to retire, which I'm like, how about you let Jose Aldo say that? But come on, Aldo's yeah. got to have his retirement fight January in Rio. Like, I mean, he's the king of Rio. Yeah, Give him dude, someone to style on. Yeah, you're, you're right that that's messed up that Marab said that. Uh, 100% agree with you. Let's do it. Aldo in Brazil. I don't care who it is. I want to see it. I still think he's awesome, and I, I very All much right. look forward to it. Screw it. Aldo, Dominic Cruz. 100% all in. It's a fight I've always wanted to see. Let's let's book it. Let's make it happen. Screw it. Aldo, Conor McGregor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't happen. Uh, but <laughs> Clearly, Conor McGregor was tweeting away uh, during fight night because I saw about a billion stories about things he tweeted. Yeah, yeah, the aggregator. You're either going to see Conor McGregor or uh, I guess now Kayla Harrison's the new aggregator. Man. It, it, by the way, did you see those Kayla Harrison comments? I did. I watched the fight. And uh, why don't you go over what she said? I got I got to find. Uh, she declared herself the queen of women's MMA. Now, hey, look, I, I, I understand you got to promote yourself. I get that. I, I understand all of this. And, and this was her quote. I'm here to tell you I'm the queen, not a PFL, not a 155-pound division. I'm the queen of women's MMA. And if those three Brazilians would take off their track shoes and meet me, then you'd find out. Queen of women's MMA, huh? What do you think of that de- declaration? Is Harrison the queen of women's MMA? And, I mean, come on. Like, look, we, we all know how talented she is. And I understand that she's going to talk herself up. But the problem is, like... And this is not to, you know, rail on the PFL, but she's just not going to fight the fighters in the PFL to prove she's the queen of women's MMA. I mean, like right now, she just has to hope that Chris Cyborg comes to the PFL. Yeah, yeah, certainly to prove that she's the best female fighter on the planet. She's going to need to beat fighters that are really, really good and uh, Larissa Pacheco is really talented. She showed it in her win over Elena Kolesnik. But uh, Pacheco alone, wins over Pacheco alone, doesn't justify that ranking. Kayla fights in a weight class where there are very few fighters in which she can prove it. Cyborg is one of them. I will say this much. Firstly, PFL 9 was a very enjoyable show. Big thumbs up. Two thumbs up for PFL 9. I thought Dakota Decheva at Women's Flyweight looks like a real star of the future. She literally hit a girl two times in the body, and the girl was like, nah. The female fighter was like, nah, I want none of this. I'm going to tap out. Bubba Jenkins, quick win over Ryoji Kudo. Pacheca, quick win. And then Brennan Lodane was able to stop the takedowns of Chris Parade in, in round two and, and showed his awesome stand-up. But moving back to Kayla Harrison, this is what I will say. Kayla Harrison, out of any female fighter, 
gets it when it comes to cutting promos. She, to me, kind of reminds me of kind of like what Shale Sonnen was trying to do. And I will say it would be a damn shame if she doesn't get the caliber of opponents to justify the potential she has in terms of her drawing ability because she's really marketable. She's a really good promo and she's a damn good fighter. I just want to see her take on fighters. I think might actually give her trouble and there's only a few in the world. Yeah, that, that is my thing. Um, I'm trying to find the comment because she cyborg. So this was cyborg said, and this was, uh, it was a tweet from MMA fighting. that had the video of the comments that she said following her win. And she and Cyborg tweeted, didn't you sign a contract to fight me in April in Hawaii for my belt, 145 pounds? What happened? Didn't you tell your manager your goal is to fight the best? Sounds like you signed a bad contract for your goals. If that's why the fight didn't happen already, nobody running. Yeah, I, uh, I, I think it, but it all goes down to the initial contract she signed, no? Because that initial contract she signed kind of forced her to resign, did it not? Because they matched. Yeah, I mean, the, the, so Kayla. The, the PFL had matching rights, and yeah. so she agreed. So Kayla agreed to a deal with Bellator. She signed a bout agreement to fight Chris Cyborg in April in Hawaii. PFL matched that contract, so it, it's for for Kayla Harrison. If the PFL is unable to bring Chris Cyborg into their organization, like if you're you're Kayla Harrison, extremely talented fighter, we all know she is. But to be the, to be the best women's fighter of all time, she just can't. She's not going to have the resume fighting who she's fighting right now. Inc- incredibly talented fighter, no one is questioning that. But the problem is when you look at her resume. She's not the queen of women's MMA right now. She might talent-wise be, but in terms of fires that she's actually competing against, you can't, there's not an argument there. Well, it's just, it's so difficult for her because again, at women's lightweight, there isn't a division there. Currently, there aren't a a large litany of of highly skilled fighters that are fighting at a weight that that's their optimal weight. It's so many fighters that should be fighting at 135, making the jump up to to getting the payday, to potentially getting the $1 million deal. It's just a weight class where it's very difficult to prove you're the queen of of the sport. But again, I got to say that Kayla, to me, has a lot of potential to be the biggest female star in this sport. She just needs those fights. I'll say this much going forward. I don't think there's a single fight I would rather see than Kayla Harrison versus Chris Cyborg. I don't know. Is there is there one that I'm missing? No, uh, no that look, you would it, rather see than that fight. As a combat sports fan, it's a fight I want to see. I just my gut says we don't see it happen, and, and I just wonder. And like, because I was thinking about this, I was like, okay, let's just say the PFL can't sign Chris Cyborg, and they've already made this intentions known. Kayla Harrison's going to pay per view in 2023. I'm like. Who are they bringing in to fight her that's going to get you excited to fork over $50? I can't even give you a name. I really can't. I it, it, it's basically about Kayla. Um, yeah, they, they've got to co-promote a pay-per-view or they've got to co-promote a show with Bellator. This needs to get done for both fighters. For Chris Cyborg, when's the last time she had a fight you cared about? You know, UFC 232 against Amanda Nunez. I mean, I'm, I'm trying she, to think, is there been a Bellator fight that really got me excited to watch her compete? There's never been a Bellator fight where she hasn't been a massive favorite. And that's nothing 
against the fighter she's going up against. It's just that it's a lot of fighters that should be fighting at 135 bumped up to 145. 145 and 155 are just weight classes right now in women's MMA that don't have depth or a lot of great fighters. I mean, look, it's just a different ball game. They're, they're different sports. Being a champion at flyweight in the UFC is just a different skill level you need to showcase than it is uh, being bell, uh, a, a lightweight champion in the PFL. That being said, it's the same case when it comes to comparing a, a male heavyweight versus a male bantamweight. There's a skill discrepancy, but it's just much, much wider right now in the infancy of the women's lightweight division. Yeah, I mean, look, it's. I hope we see it. I just wonder, are we going to be a year from now and the headline around Kayla Harrison is her asking out of her PFL contract because she can't fight the best fighters? I think it's possible. I mean, at some point she's going to be like 25-0 and 0 in the PFL, and it's just going to be like, what are we doing here? Right. Like uh, it's crazy. She's no spring chicken anymore. I mean, she's now is 15 and 0, you know, systematically. The one thing about Kayla is, you know, she only debuted in 2018. She's already got 15 fights. That's the one really good thing about growing up in the PFL is you're getting a whole hell of a lot of cage time, you know. So for for Kayla, she's got the, the quantity of wins moving forward to establish her legacy as a, as a, you know, as an all time great, you know, she's 32 years old. What she's got to do is get the quality of wins. That's got to be her objective. And again, the amount of quality fighters that she can realistically fight in her weight class, you can count them on one hand. I mean, you just, I'm looking at her topology page and I just go, tell me who her biggest and most notable win is against. Pacheco without a doubt. Who went what? Zero and two, zero and three in the UFC. Yeah, she did. Although I will, I will say, I will say, I think Pacheco returning to the UFC would do much better than she did six years ago. And keep in mind, I mean, she lost to Jermaine Durandame and Jessica Andrade. Those, those, those fighters aren't, you know, you know, they're, they're really freaking good. I think Pacheco going back to the UFC would have great success at bantamweight. Not, not like an outrageous amount of success, but good success. She also lost to Macy Chase on on the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, that's a bad loss. That's a bad loss. I forgot about that. Yeah, I, I mean, I it, it's it's one of those things of when I obviously there's people around Kayla that are going to push her being the best fighter in the world. Now, look in terms of talent, man, she's unbelievably talented. But the pro, it, it, it's this hard thing of saying how much of it is her styling on opponents that she's just so much better than. And that even if those opponents have a A plus night, that still may not be good enough to beat Kayla on a C night. Yeah, I mean it's there, there's just a massive talent gap. You know, it, it, it's it's kind of like um, it's kind of like Alabama going up against a school like Central Michigan, but that's the only team they've been playing the entire five years. Yeah. And that's just what it's like. And it's just like, well, you're not going to make the you're not going to make the college football playoff like that. Yeah, I mean, let, let's be honest about it. We're going we're going to see it this weekend in college football, next week in college football, where there's schools that are getting a payday to get their asses hand to them. <laughs> Which is it's just kind of identical to what kind of goes on in the PFL lightweight tournament. Which I mean, like, that, like that's one of the things I respect about what Deion Sanders said. Because people have said, "Oh, watch play Alabama." He's like, "I'm not, I'm not going to 
have my kids, you know, take on that type of school just for a payday. I'm just not going to do it. Unfortunately, there's a lot of school presidents out there that say, no, nah, man, you need to get that payday. I don't care how bad we get yeah. beat. It's all right, man. Dion can wait to play Alabama when he's coaching Tallahassee. I will be shocked. You, you I, will be, I will be shocked if Deion Sanders is not at a power five school within the next, next two years. Year. Yeah. I would say maybe whenever Travis Hunter goes to the league, like he might, he might, you know, or, I, or I, honestly, Travis Hunter will probably just follow him to whatever power five school he goes to. I thought the, the interesting thing he was, uh, he was doing this interview today on, on ESPN with Nick Saban, you know, cause they both do the Aflac uh, commercials. And he basically talked about, he said, you know, um, so Mike Zimmer, the former Vikings coach, yeah, is going to bring that up. Is, a, is that. an analyst for him, and he was talking yeah. about the fact that basically Dion's biggest problem he faces currently is just he's literally putting his own money into the program to make to make that program succeed. Which, I mean, it's crazy, but yeah, I mean, look, I, I people are seeing what Dion Sanders is doing at Jackson State. And and you tell me there is not a school in the ACC, SEC, Big Ten, Pac-12. Um, who am I missing? Who's the other one I'm missing? Uh, well, you only have there's only there's SEC, ACC, Big Ten, Big Twelve, Pac-12, Pac-12. So, uh, so Deion say I Pac, yeah. if Deion Sanders is not the head coach in Tallahassee, and obviously there's some bad feelings there over what's happened over the last year, uh, he's gonna be a coach somewhere. There's there's no doubt, dude. About it. He, how amazing is it? I saw, I was watching, I had ESPN on too. And I was just like, wow, that's amazing that, uh, that, uh, I just saw it. I was like, whoa, Mike Zimmer is an analyst for Jackson state. I mean, talk about being a kid going to Jackson state. Thing, thing is the former Brian yeah. Dabble, the now head coach of the Buffalo bills just a couple years ago was the offensive coordinator at Alabama. <laughs> it's crazy, man. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it, well, Here's another crazy thing. I believe the last three New York Giants football coaches have all been former Nick Saban disciples. Yeah, that coaching tree uh, is insane. That that, that coaching yeah. tree is insane. It's so I tell people but, uh, like you know obviously I'm I'm you know got my Buccaneer blinders on here. Go look at that Tony Dungy uh, coaching tree. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's a lot a good one. of great I mean, defensive a- coaches came out of that Tony Dungy uh, tree. You got that one. You got the Bill Walsh coaching tree. You know, who knows? One day, what will the Matt Hume coaching tree look like? How about that for a transition? Wow, how about that? Yeah, one championship <laughs> makes her debut on Amazon Prime. And um, I was listening to the Co-Man Event podcast, and Ben Folks had a great line talking about this card. And he goes, I just want to send a thank you to one championship for going on a streaming platform I already subscribed to. How often, as Mixed Martial Arts fan, Said promotion goes to a streaming platform, and we got to go sign up for that. Like, you think back in the day, we had to go sign up for the zone. You remember when we didn't even know how to pronounce the zone? We call it, yeah, I, I think we we're like, Dazen? Like, no, the zone. Yeah. I go, how do you get the zone from that? Yeah, I mean, I look, I literally texted you today. I was like, hey, bro, uh, is this one FC card just going to be on Amazon Prime? And you're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm like, damn, hell yeah. Like, I'm used to, usually I'm used to buying a, a 1FC card behind a paywall. I, but I'm like, this is just going to be available to me? Oh, hell yeah. I wonder, is this Amazon Prime's just initial endeavor into MMA that if this goes well for them, they will be a major player when the UFC TV deal comes up? 
I think it's not about this. It's all about the pigskin. I mean, it's going to be a big deal to see how many people migrate to Amazon Prime to watch Thursday Night Football. I, and, I didn't uh, read the story. I know this from the bar aspect, but I saw a story came out today that because uh, I know from a bar aspect, we will be getting Amazon Prime games via DirecTV. DirecTV, actually, uh, they announced a deal today with Amazon Prime to show these Thursday games. Okay. And yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So, uh, so I mean, obviously, if you're a DirecTV customer, you know, we're going we're gonna to see what the, the Sunday ticket ends up being next year. I mean, whether it's an, an Apple thing or an ESPN Plus thing or whatever it may be, it doesn't sound like it's going to be on DirecTV based on things, you, you know, you know, reading stories. But, uh, you know, I'm, you know, obviously it's, I'm interested to see how one championship kind of, you know, there was a saying about the fact of them trying to do shows in the United States at some point. But, I mean, look, they're starting off with the bang, bro. Uh, you know, Maurice and Johnson, the rematch, we, we all saw what happened in the first one. You know, you, you look at DJ, and it's one of these things with DJ of, like, you just wonder, are, are we seeing the tail end of his career? And we're going to see Adriano style on him once again. Well, I mean, he talked about the fact that uh, he doesn't – he's having fun and he doesn't plan on retiring. But Demetrius Johnson is 36 years old. Uh, so, you know, it's, uh, it is real possible, you know, this morning I actually watched the, um, the first fight it was on YouTube. I think one of C just put it up there and, uh, man, it's one of those things where Demetrius Johnson is, uh, he, he completely, I'm going to just say this, him leaving the UFC might've been the best thing that happened to that flyweight division. I'm be honest with you because it opened up the flyweight division and the way Demetrius Johnson fights isn't super exciting sometimes in yeah. terms of like that really fast twitchy movement. I was watching the fight. I was like, damn, I forgot about this. This is how flyweight fights always looked. And all of a sudden things changed. I mean, think of how differently the Demetrius Johnson fights felt versus the way, you know, Brandon Moreno's fights have felt. It's completely different. So sorry for trashing on DJ. He's literally one of the greatest fighters of all time. Um, Look, this this is the the deal with the Adriano Moraes fight. Adriano to me is just a lot bigger than Demetrius Johnson, and that's going to be a major issue. I'm still going to pick DJ in here. I think he's going to be able to outstrike Adriano, but as we saw in the first fight, Moraes just had to catch him one time with the punch, brought him down, and then he caught him with a, a knee to the to the ground to DJ. Um, so I, I think Adriano obviously deserves the respect of the power and the size advantage. But I'm going to go with one of the greatest fighters of all time to uh, avenge his loss. I guess I got to make sure I've got Amazon Prime Video on my phone just in case I can get I can't access it on because I don't I don't yeah. land into in uh in Indianapolis till almost midnight on Friday night. So I want I want to say it starts at 10 p.m. Eastern time uh, here in the United States. So uh, at, oh, it starts at 10 p.m. on Friday night. Yeah, or Saturday night. Friday night. 10 p.m. at fr- Friday night. I wonder. I wonder what time it's going to be on over there. Uh, I believe a, it's a 12 hour time difference. So it'll be, so it'll it'll be, be 10 a.m. Saturday morning over there. Wow. So that means the prelim. Well, I don't know how many. Well, that, that was are. that was the big thing when this deal guy announced is a fact of they wanted to make sure that they were doing live fight cards in prime time in the United States, which I think says, uh, says well, a lot about where one championship sees the future of their business going. Yeah, well, I'll say this much, dude. On this, on this, on this prime card, 
I'm really excited to see this dude, uh, Marcus Almeida fight. He, uh, he's, he's a really damn good grappler. He's got a good look too, man. I mean, he's buff as hell. The thing I love about the one championship is it, you get a taste of everything when it comes to martial arts. You, you, you know, they, they do everything. And I, and I think that's what helps separate themselves. By the way, of course, last night, Contender Series, I'm uh, watching oh. I'm watching Dana White after um, the, the press conference. And this comment from him had me just laughing here in the office. Nobody on Tuesday night is a three-to-one dog. Nobody. You... You, you can't handicap fucking heart and determination and how bad somebody wants to win. Every kid that comes into this show on Tuesday night, it is their dream to fight here. You can't handicap that. It's fucking impossible. So if you like betting parlays and you're a sick degenerate, Tuesday night is your night. If you're a sick degenerate and love betting parlays, Tuesday is your night. Like That is such a data white quote. I know, uh, dude, that, um, Darius Flowers, uh, had this dude in like a, like a tombstone, like a, he, he undertakered his ass <laughs> as a, as someone who loves pro wrestling. I was both terrified and overjoyed by that. I mean, it was like, a, he tombstoned him essentially, but it was shoulders down and the dude was just like, Oh crap i'm really hurt i need to tap out immediately <laughs> that was crazy we've, i think we've had back-to-back contender series fights where we've had five contracts awarded at the end of the night which uh, I, I must say after the first week every single week of contender series has been really good so hats off to contender series i think we have uh, five more weeks to go bo nickel's gonna round out the se- the season with another fight so i'm excited about that uh, so, yeah, yeah I, you know, I'm enjoying it. F- funny story about the contender series. So in uh, it's one of the cards in September, Raul Rojas Jr. is going to be a part of this. And Rojas. so he is 17 years old. He's oh, he's, wow. he's a Mexican fighter. He's five and oh already. So so you got the fight guy announced probably, I don't know, two, three weeks ago. And then, like, I'm sitting in the office and I interviewed him probably beginning of july ish his management had hit me up and, and we did an interview and all of a sudden i'm getting all these notifications about comments on youtube and i'm like and then i see you know the videos you know trending well and uh and then i uh i, I hit up the pr guys like hey uh something going on with raul he goes oh you haven't heard i go clearly i haven't i go i'm a little busy over here okay he goes oh he's on the contender series i go Oh, he goes, he's like, literally, you're like one of maybe two interviews he's done. Some of the comments are pretty brutal, by the way. Some of the comments are brutal. Not, not directed at him. Dude, he's 17 years old. Yeah, he's five and up. Crazy. This is crazy. Yeah, I want to say it's Uh, like three or four of his last fights within like last nine months. Dude, uh, this is exciting. This, I wonder if he's going to be, let's see. He was born on uh, 10 8, so October 8th. So he's still going to be 17 when he fights. This has to be a record. Oh, yeah. There's probably never, there's never been a 17 year old to have fought. So I'm excited, bro. I guess I got to check out this interview uh, I, I see here. Uh, damn. Good deal. Good story, Jason. I'm looking forward to this guy now. I, I hadn't heard of him. 
Yeah, I mean, and, you know, someone asked Dana White last night about, you know, hey, you know, you, you've given out a ton of contracts over the past couple of weeks. And he's like, look, he goes, this is what this show is about. This show is about giving contracts. He goes, we don't have a set number of contracts we're going to give out. I'm going to give out contracts based on who we want to sign. And, uh, you know, and of course, there was another question that was like, hey, Dana, is a roster purge coming at some point? And Dana goes, it's nothing we've talked about. He goes, but I do, he goes, I do know that we've got a good amount of fighters that uh, we feel that um, their next fight is probably going to be their retirement fights. So yeah. right when I he mean, said yeah. that, I started thinking names. Jim Miller came to mind as one. Jose Aldo obviously was another one that comes to mind now. Oh, I mean, just look at every single card. I mean, you know, let's look at this next card. Who knows? Uh, you know, J- John McDessie's on this next card. You know, he's 37 years old. Um, a guy like, uh, let's see, let's see. Uh, Nate Diaz, he's not retiring, but that'll be the probably the last fight he ever fights in the UFC. Half the heavyweights are over 35. Uh, you know, the list goes on, man. I mean, hell, TJ Dillashaw, who knows how much longer he's going to be fighting. Uh, even though I know he's contending for a championship. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the uh, Paris card here, which, by the way, lo- love its effect of it's a 3 o'clock East Coast main card start time. Prelims at 12 p.m., Daniel. I'm loving this. Man, I can, I, I'll can i get my show done by Osmo at noon. I got one TV. I can have you know the UFC on, and then every other screen I have college football on. Life will be beautiful, Daniel. Beautiful. It's going to be a great, great day, man. I love that Nathaniel Wood-Charles Jordan fight. Quick turn off Charles Jordan. Yeah. I love that Joaquin Buckley MMO, MMO fight, MMO fight, too. Uh, and like Whitaker Vittori. Oh my God. Uh, and oh, also, dude, I did Whitt- see, um, you know, Dana mentioned last week about them adding more fights to UFC 279. Uh, Tony Ferguson moved 170 to take on uh, the Leech. Kind of a, a little bit, I mean, it should be a fun fight to watch. You kind of, you wonder about that matchmaking there a little bit. Uh, also, I saw a, I want to say Nolan King had on his uh, Twitter earlier tonight that Kevin Holland said on his Instagram that he's fighting Daniel Rodriguez. That should be a fun fight. And then this fight has not been announced by the UFC, but I saw you alerted me to this one. And then I saw on the MMA Reddit that Raphael Fazeev put it in his story on Instagram. Raphael Fazeev, Justin Gaethje. Can we put that fight December 3rd in Orlando? Yeah, you would want to be there for that fight, huh? Oh, that, dude, uh, I'm telling you right now, I, I saw the junkie story and the Bucks play on Monday night. So like, this lines up perfect, bro. I can go to Orlando, get a hotel room on Friday, Saturday night. You know, me and the boys have some fun. I get a day to recover on Sunday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that fight needs to happen. I hope it does happen. It wasn't a fight I thought of. I know if he's been calling out Justin Gaethje, dude, that's a that's a hell of a fight. I hope you're able to see it in Orlando, and I hope I'm able to watch it on pay per view. Dude, that's a that's a fun fight. That's a fight night card. That's why I think that oh, fight yeah. may not be on that because oh, uh, that's yeah, that's not. A, oh, so I'm not th- I'm thinking it's going to be. Like, no. I want to say the December pay per view is December 10th. I want to say. I want to say that is targeted to be Jones and Miocic. Funny story. We'll end on this. Someone asked Danny is like, Hey, uh, would John Jones come back? Do you think he could put him on a card in Las Vegas? And Danny just started chuckling. Goes, Oh, maybe we'll make that card in New York. Listen, brother. Listen, brother. John has a good reason to go to Vegas all the time. Still. All right. His brother's on their damn Raiders. Oh, I thought you were going to say something else. 
No, no. I'm a wholesome over here. I'm a wholesome. I thought you were going to say that's where his probation officer is based in, so he's got to go to Vegas. <laughs> yeah, poor John. Uh, yeah, no. But uh, it's a big fight. But yeah, hey, man, he's going to be in Vegas, you know? Again, yeah. his brother's on the Las Vegas Raiders, you know? He's going to go check out some games. You know, Tom Brady could have been on the Las Vegas Raiders, but, uh, uh, I still have not seen that clip. I still have not seen that clip, but, uh, but yeah, you could definitely tell Dana White did not want to tell that story after the fact. Yeah. He knew it was a mistake when he was saying it. I was watching it live, the UFC broadcast with the Gronks and, uh, you mentioned it, like what would it look like if we had a Manning cast for the UFC? I got to say kind of enjoyable from what I saw. Okay. I obviously did did not get a chance to see it as I was doing the play by play broadcast thing there on Saturday. But uh, of course we appreciate everyone tuning in for this episode of the MMA report podcast. Of course, uh, new episodes come out two times a week. Give us a self a follow, uh, on uh, the social media platforms. Also, and Mayor Port's going to be on TikTok here soon. Yep, I'm, I'm going to create a TikTok page. Oh, my gosh. Look at you, man. You're, uh, you're a modern We're, we're, just, we're just putting clips out from the show, Daniel. We ain't doing any dances. We ain't doing none of that crap. We just putting clips from the show on TikTok. Love, love to see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No dancing. This guy ain't dancing. I'm the guy, if I'm in a bar, in a club, I'm the dude hanging out at the bar. I'm not on the dance floor. I'm not that type of dude. I uh, I I um I think I think we're missing the boat if you're not doing TikTok dances. So uh, I think it's time for you to change and do some 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 catchy TikTok dances, Jason. I'll, I'll leave that to you. I'll leave that to you. <laughs> uh, well, we shall see. But I'm looking forward to subscribing to our talk tick. All right, appreciate everyone tuning in. Of course, uh, you can check out the podcast at RadioFoolish.com or your favorite podcasting platform. Next episode comes out on Sunday. Well, I say at least I hope to get it out on Sunday, uh, depending on what, you know how we'll travel schedule and, and getting the show done here. But we do get two episodes. If it doesn't come out on Sunday, it'll come out on Monday. So appreciate you tuning in. Hit that uh, subscribe, like, all that. Self-style time. Appreciate you tuning in for this episode of the MMA Report Podcast. <laughs>